Good afternoon, good morning. This is Mark Johnson from Loyalty 360. Hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. I want to welcome you back to another edition of Loyalty Live. In this series, we have the privilege of speaking with leading agencies, technology partners, and consultants in customer channel and brand loyalty about the emerging technology trends and most importantly, best practices that impact a brand's ability to drive unique experiences, enhance engagement, but most importantly, enhance and impact customer loyalty. Uh, loyalty Live allows for a deeper insight into the state of customer loyalty as a lot of the challenges and opportunities we surface from brand marketers that we speak with on a regular basis. We use these Loyalty Live sessions as a pragmatic and empirically driven response to some of the challenges we're seeing in the market. Uh, the responses from these leading technology agencies uh, help brands understand and evaluate the challenges and opportunities before them. Uh, with that, today we have the pleasure of speaking with Laura Gardner. She's a senior director of Data Driven Futures Growth and Dipti Ramhadkar from, she's the executive strategy director for North America from Iris Worldwide. How are both of you today? Thank you. Great. How are you? I'm great. great. Uh, so, uh, a little bit more about Iris. Uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, uh, both of your roles with the company? Uh, we'll go ahead and then start with Laura. Okay, sure. Yeah. So I'm the Senior Director of Data-Driven Futures Growth, which is a mouthful, I realize, but in short, it means I drive strategic growth for all of our data-driven practices. And data-driven covers our center of excellence capabilities, which is all things loyalty, media, and CRM. So we are uh, another way to put it is we are a full service above the line and below the line agency. So data driven is everything below the line. So specifically me, I spent my career in loyalty. I started out with Briarly over 20 years ago. I hit a few agencies in the meantime, like ePrize, which is now Merkle and Epsilon, you might have heard of, and a few others. Um, I was in Europe for six years where I established in loyalty in Central Europe for GE Money and then Lufthansa. And then I am now with IRIS. And um, I've worked on programs ranging from Sony to Bulgari to Shell, PNC, and now I work on Disney and Hulu. Dipti? Great. Uh, well, that's perfect. Uh, so, Dipti, would learn, uh, love to know a little bit about you and uh, your background and your uh, skill set as well. That'd be great. Yeah, sure. So, I look after the integrated strategy practice across our offices in North America. I'm based in Lovely Hills Kitchen in New York City. And I've been with Iris for about six years. And prior to that, I spent about a decade in New York, decade in London, uh, developing my brand strategy toolbox at large agencies like Sachi and Sachi, McCann Erickson, BBDO, and others. I ran my own consultancy before I landed on Planet Iris. And my responsibility is, is ensuring that the briefs that we're receiving from clients are translated into strong strategies that ultimately deliver uh, either solutions that are strategic or solutions that are creative. So things like consumer insights, customer insights, journeys, um, and campaign strategies and planning is primarily my focus. And I touch almost all the clients we work with in some way or another, so I don't get a lot of sleep. Okay, great. Uh, for those who may not know about Iris, uh, you guys do a, a lot of great work, as you mentioned. Can you give us a brief overview of your company, you know, what you do, how you do it, uh, industries that uh, you work within? Sure. Dipti, do you want me to go? Yes, please. 
Okay, well, let's see. IRIS is a global organization. I like to say we are the um, smallest big little agency you've never heard of, but we've got over 20 years of history. The basis of our business is to provide strategic, creative, and innovative solutions for our clients in all that we do. Today, we have over a thousand people in 14 different offices around the world, and six of those offices are in North America. Um, we are a full-service marketing partner to companies such as Disney, Hulu, Samsung, Adidas, IKEA, and Starbucks. Um, our vertical industries are QSR, fast casual, retail, media, pharma, and financial services. So, um, and we are B2B and B2C. And uh, specific to this interview is our loyalty practice in which we have IKEA Family, Samsung Rewards, Starbucks Rewards, ISG, and Pampers Club with P&G. We were recently recruited by P&G to be their lead global CRM agency. So we're managing that across many countries. Um, so that's uh, Iris in a nutshell. That's awesome. And one of the things that uh, we like to do when we're speaking with uh, brands as all, and also when we speak with leading technology providers, uh, the, the partners we have, we like to understand how they define certain terms around customer loyalty. And obviously customer loyalty is a very important term. So we'd love to know, you know, what customer loyalty means to you, to your organization, to Iris. Uh, it's always great to know. Great. So um, I'll take that. Um, customer loyalty to me is creating a bond that is both pragmatic, rational, and emotional based on the perceived value and how the company treats the member, how the brand or the program makes the member feel. Um, but it's also about making life easier and more pleasant for the member. And, you know, what with the technology and channels of communication that we have at our disposal today, we can engage almost entirely seamlessly and mesh into our members' daily lives. And I, I guess that's the goal anyway, you know, is to bring value and a rewarding experience. I say that literally. Um, and one of the things we're going to get into um, and Dipti is going to go through in detail is this notion of participation. And it's very core to Iris's um, mantra and our belief system and what we apply to our campaigns and our strategies and how it applies to loyalty is that it's it literally loyalty is a two-way relationship and that the ultimate goal is to engage the member on a level that gets them to do the marketing for you. So I would say that's how I define customer loyalty. Okay. Uh, lots of uh, challenges uh, with regard to uh, changings, uh, changes in privacy, changes in uh, cookies going away. Uh, you know, what do you think is the biggest opportunity in regard to customer loyalty today, Laura? Well, I would say one of the biggest challenges, and it's also an opportunity, is meeting the customer where they are, what they need right now, always being on, um, meeting and exceeding the customer's rising expectations, real-time everything, um, I'd say is a huge challenge. It's also a, an evolution um, that we have this ability to be real-time, everything, but it's also a great opportunity to engage with more technology uh, than, 
We've got artificial intelligence, machine learning to take advantage of. We've got the, the you know, the, the uh, technology of many different vendors now that can talk to us whatever channel we're on, wherever we are. So I would say that that to me is just meeting the customer where they are and what they need at the right time with the right offer. That's awesome. When you look at customer loyalty, is there a brand or a few brands that you think do an exceptional job of creating customer loyalty? And, and, and why do you think these brands are doing such a good job? Right. Well, I mean, I'm going to tout one of our own first. Um, uh, Ikea family. I think we do a very good job um, with uh, the Ikea family program. And one of those reasons is it is about participation. It is about checking in in person and getting rewards for being there rather than just spending money. You get things like uh, uh, lunches in their uh, little restaurant, free drinks, uh, con consultations with their um, uh, design specialists, other things, and all that is around participation. And I, and that's one of the reasons why I think it's such a, a great program. It's not about spend, it's about being present. And then the, the other one we don't work on, but I was uh, looking into them uh, for a consulting um, gig I did before I joined uh, Iris, and that's AARP Rewards. And it's highly participation-based. Um, you get rewarded for watching videos, for attending a, a, a flower, an online flower arranging class, to reading a book, to coming to a book review, um, a book club. I mean, um, it's all participation and you get points just for doing things and um, creating a community with the other AARP members. I was really impressed. Well, that's awesome. Well, when you look at, uh, you know, I think those are great brands that you talked about, and AARP is, uh, you know, very unique in how they are incenting uh, their customers to, you know, to live the best life they can. I think that's, that, that's their mantra, and they obviously do a great job. So great All examples right. there. So when you look at loyalty program design, uh, you've been in the industry for a while. You're one of the, uh, you know, the kind of thought leaders within the industry. How do you think loyalty program design has evolved over the years? So one of the biggest changes um, that I've seen over the years is the evolved state of the siloed program to an integrated program that now communicates with disparate internal departments such as finance, sales, customer service. Um, they're really immersing themselves in every uh, area of the, as a resource to become a daily necessity to the member's life. Um, and that's the, one of the biggest things I've seen. Um, but once that's accomplished, it's about the data and the sheer volume of data that we're having to process down to the member level. And that's empowered us to get to know our members and customers on a whole new level. But, you know, that does come with the responsibility to create communication that resonates at the level of hyper-personalization. So I would say that those... Those, uh, those steps, those three steps, you know, that the uh, silo program has gone away, that we have amazing amounts of data to process and the level of hyper-personalization that's expected. Absolutely.
When you look at uh, the work you do for brands, IKEA, you mentioned, uh, you know, working with Pampers, you know, what is one piece of advice you would share with brands who are looking to improve their customer loyalty or customer experience strategies? Yeah, well, I would say the key thing is do not hold back on investing in your best customers. You'll never regret it. Okay, great. That's uh, that's, that's a great uh, piece of advice. Uh, and I know you guys are in the process of releasing a, a very unique uh, study, uh, Participation Brand Index. I think this is your fourth one that you've done. Um, getting ready to re- release that. Could you tell us a little bit about PBI? You know, where did it come from? What is a Participation Brand Index? And you know, what does it mean for marketers? Sure, I can take that. And I think what's so interesting about having this conversation about loyalty is, to Laura's point, it's like really inherently participative. It has has to be, and the best programs are a two-way street. So participation isn't isn't a new word on the block. Uh, People have been talking about it. Iris actually has been talking about it and codifying it for the last decade. And what we've sort of realized about participation is that in as the broadcast age sort of is behind us, uh, the strategies that had initially worked aren't working anymore. But the strategies that are working are the ones that harness the power of participation, which is basically listening and responding to people's needs and wants in a really fundamental way. Um, you could argue that that's always been done, but participation actually starts to understand what responses brands can have and what in- levels of engagement they need to have with their potential customers to really motivate them. So that's the philosophy. And the study is, back, is, is basically taking the theory and putting it into practice. And uh, we, we basically um, looked across in our fourth edition analyzed data from about 7,000 customers across 150 B2B and B2C brands in the US, Europe, and Asia. And what we do is we use 25 different levers of participation to demonstrate the impact of each in distinguishing brands that are kind of pulling apart from the competition um, and setting new benchmarks for expectations and how people are responding to them. And we've... we've, Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue. Sorry. Yeah. And then just a final piece of the puzzle is what was specifically um, interesting to us is the pandemic and its influence on people's expectations, as we know, is you know, really changed um, as customers ourselves, and also on um, movements like Black Lives Matter um, and other global movements that have affected sort of generational um, changes and their relationships with the companies too. So it was a very interesting context in which um, uh, the study was conducted, and it's very exciting to start to be able to share some of the findings. Okay. When you look at uh, you know, some of the changes or shifts you may have seen in uh, kind of the, the data, the questions, the, the kind of uh, the passion of the customers from the first iteration of the survey, what, what are you seeing from that first uh, you know, uh, PBI to the, the one today? What are, what are some differences? Yeah, there have been some significant differences. So if you're looking at, for example, 2018 to 2021, um, we the study reveals that indifference towards brands has doubled. Um, in, in fact, uh, the question that was asked is, do you think about this brand regularly? And eight out of 10 uh, brands are not being thought about. Um, 82% of customer, uh, con- consumers admitted that they're not excited by brands. 
four out of five brands are failing to connect emotionally across a range of key measures such as excitement, intrigue, and love. And also, I think probably alarmingly, and, and, and probably the impact on, on loyalty as well, is that there's been a significant de decline in trust. So uh, about 77% of consumers do not trust brands. And if there isn't trust, then all the other metrics that we look for, like engagement and love and um, you know, willingness to kind of lend your information and data, it, it's just not going to work. Um, and then speaking of data, the percentage of consumers who feel comfortable sharing their data decreased by almost a third, 33%. Um, and you know, all of these sort of forces coming together and probably some other brands that have maybe not done right by their um, customers and having unlimited access in, in certain ways to companies' information um, via social media has resulted in some of these changes. So it's really exciting um, and worrying and opportunistic for, for brands to, to change tactics. Absolutely. Uh, quick follow up on that. So if they're, the trust with uh, brands is a big issue and you want to get to that uh, deeper emotional loyalty connection, we did a, 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 an analyst paper on emotional loyalty earlier this year. Uh, and, and I think Iris was cited in it, actually. You know, how do you do that? How do you address this big uh, challenge we have with regard to trust? Sure, I can take that. And then, Laura, do you want to? build from a loyalty perspective? Sure, I'd love to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so what's really interesting and what we're finding is that emotional commitments and sort of gestures by companies aren't enough. It needs to be really matched by behaviors. And so it's sort of the show don't say um, approach for, for companies in terms of things like, you know, purpose, what is their commitment to communities, you know, um, uh, holding your hand up if you've made a mistake, um, inviting engagement from your key consumers and customers to make sure that you're on track in terms of your strategy. So that kind of inversion, um, there used to be, I like to imagine that, you know, 20 years ago, there were really dark walls around companies and now there are glass walls. So that's, that's one way of doing it. The other big thing is really around looking at what we call um, experience innovation. And that's all about uh, the customer experience and being as useful as possible. And interesting, there's a relationship between utility and trust, um, which, which is far away from emotional engagement if, on the face of it, but actually makes a lot of sense. So those are some of the suggestions I would have. Okay. Laura. And, and Laura, from a customer loyalty perspective, uh, what are your thoughts about enhancing trust to uh, get to some of the uh, more uh, higher level uh, metrics, engagement metrics? Right. Well, I mean, to me, the trust is huge. And um, I, I, right there, um, I think that a company has to have a personality and character for people to really invest in and get their arms around. And I really believe that this, uh, the participation theory, the mantra of participating the two-way street, I think that is what it exactly engages. The brand becomes a personality and a mantra. And this personality, this character has qualities and integrity that they stand for. And this, that's where the trust is built 
is do they do the right thing given the, the circumstances? Do, is their front line an extension of their beliefs? Do they practice it um, when no one's looking? Um, are, they, are they trustworthy? Are they consistent? And, um, and I believe that, that that's a good basis for the trust and the participation brand index. Okay, great. I know one of your clients, Ikea, uh, uh, was in the, the study. How did they perform? So they did great. They were actually seventh overall in the entire study. So oh. that's, that's across all the 25 participation levers. We have five pillars and we sort of rank uh, each of them. And, you, and within the study, you can play with the data. Um, it's, it's going to be live and accessible to everyone, which is very exciting. Um, and some of the things that really pulled out for them are the fact that they're highly distinctive and easy to recognize. Um, all, you know, their, their personality and their brand approach is kind of infused through their whole customer experience. Um, you always kind of know you're in Ikea, even if you're not in Ikea physically. Um, even if you're online, it feels like you're, you're part of the world. Um, it also, you know, scored very highly on stands for something it believes in. So um, having sort of principles and values and really getting behind those was um, really a significant pull. And then, um, and these two sort of final points that I would mention are related, which have to do with their ability to provide customer service. So one is about aftercare um, and, and the company providing customer support and interaction after people purchase items or furniture. And then really strongly um, a feeling of listening and uh, you know, being being heard is, is is something that has really come out strongly in the study as something that customers are looking for. It probably has been perennially, but given all the challenges folks have faced in the last year, um, that that actually goes an extra mile if if companies are able to do it sincerely. Okay, great. And when you look at uh, uh, PBI, how are you using it with your current and potential clients? So, I mean, how do you engage them? Yeah, it's such a it's it has been such a fantastic approach for us because it's a real facilitator for great conversation and great strategies that come off the back of it. So three different ways um, that we've used it is we've evaluated our own creative work and strategy and creative work through the participation lens. So we ask ourselves, you know, has the idea does the idea have participative legs? You know, does, does it come from a place that's really kind of in tune with culture and in tune with people, uh, people's needs? We also create custom workshops for our clients to help them diagnose where they, where they are in the participation journey. Um, you know, maybe they're doing really well on one aspect of it, but might need, might need a little assistance somewhere else. And I like to say that no one gets a perfect score, even the ones that score highest. Um, okay. and, and then finally, training. So we help marketing organizations within companies train employees uh, using the lens of participation, which is also great because it gives us uh, a chance to sort of speak neutrally outside of a work stream um, about an overall approach. Okay, great. Well, Laura and Dipti, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, it was great learning more about uh, what Iris is doing, some of the challenges and opportunities that you see within the market. And uh, it was very impactful to learn uh, more about the PBI, the Participation Brand Index, now in its fourth edition. And uh, looking forward to having it out in the market so people can play with it and uh, learn more. So thank you very much for taking the time to share uh, your unique insights with us today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Absolutely. 
And thank you everyone for listening. Uh, please make sure to join us back next Tuesday for a new edition of Loyalty Live. Uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you very much. <laughs>